Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Happy you're tuning in a Dose of Leadership. Man, I'm excited to have Deanne Turner back on the show. This is actually a Next Level Method podcast episode. Uh, as you may may or may not know, Next Level Method is a new project I'm involved in with my good friend and business partner, Matt Lilly. And I'm agreeing to, particularly these first few episodes, to dual promote these on Dose of Leadership uh, because Dose of Leadership is uh, a part of Next Level Method. And I'm encouraging you to go check out Next Level Method podcast so you'll be able to find this podcast here. But um, go subscribe, rate, and review that podcast as well. Add this to your curriculum. As Dose of Leadership grows and expands, Next Level Method is part of this journey. So I encourage you to go check it out. Deanne has been on the show. This will be the third time I've talked to her. And she's one of my favorite guests. She's a 33-year veteran at Chick-fil-A. She was selected as the company's first female officer in 2001 and served as the vice president uh, around talent and vice president of sustainability. During her long career, she worked closely with the founder of Chick-fil-A, S. Truett Cathy, and other key leaders, and uh, she really was the architect of their organizational culture. And if you see, and I'm a huge fan of Chick-fil-A, and I think they have one of the best customer service um, axioms. And they put it to the test and they, they do what they say they're going to do. And it's unique and it's simple stuff and they stick to it and it makes a difference. I mean, every Chick-fil-A you go, <laughs> you drive past, I don't care what day of the night of the week it is. There, there's always a massive line in the drive through It's amazing. And I think a lot of it has to do with their culture. Certainly the food passes muster and is good. But I, I think what gives them the competitive edge really is their customer service. It's top notch and our guest, Deanne Turner, had a lot to do with it. She led their staff learning and development, diversity and inclusion, culture engagement, talent management. And she's on her own now. She's doing her own consulting. Got a couple great books out there, Bet on Your Talent and Crush Your Career. And this conversation uh, was all about finding your purpose. It was all about listening to your truth, listening and finding your purpose, which on the Next Level Method side, it's one of our four core pillars. It's all about energy, elimination, relationships, and purpose, finding your purpose. It's one of the most challenging things that we do. I think it's if we became more intentional about finding our purpose, we would lead lead more productive and fulfilled lives. And so we talk a lot about that with Deanne and how do we do that? How do we know where if we're in alignment with what the universe wants us to pursue? She has a lot of great advice on that, a lot of great questions. She asks herself four questions that she asks herself, knowing if she's in alignment with her purpose. It's, I thought, to me, that was the favorite part of the episode. We also explore in this conversation how to receive and improve on negative feedback, which was a, a great surprise in this conversation. It was just a lot of fun. You're going to find a lot of great advice, refreshingly contrarian in nature, which I think is is key. And that's what I love about Deanne. She's just an absolute guest. Uh, I consider her a great friend, and uh, I'm so glad to bring her back on Dose of Leadership and Next Level Method. So go check it out. So speaking of Next Level Method, again, go to nextlevelmethod.com to learn more. You can find more information about the podcast, but also we've got a lot of live events coming up. And so it's all about 
becoming unstoppable and creating the life you've always wanted. That's why I partnered with Next Level Method. So if you feel like you're stuck, which I know that's a huge reason why I started podcasting, because I felt stuck. I've been stuck. It's a constant battle. I don't care if it's in your career, if it's in your relationship and life overall. Maybe you lack energy. Maybe you have no time. Maybe you struggle with a purpose. Maybe your relationships around you, they're not as rich and fulfilling as they should be, right? Sounds familiar. We've all been there. We are there. You're not alone. And that's the whole reason why we started Next Level Method. It's all about harnessing all of your potential, all of your power, all of your purpose. I want you to beam with energy day in and out. I want to beam with energy day in and out. I want to stream my life. I want to find my passion. I want to develop deeper, more meaningful relationships. It's all about our core four system. You can build better habits. You can improve your focus. You become the better person you want to be. we got a live event where you can do just that to learn more about those four core elements in the core four system. And in just two days, you can walk away with a higher vision for your life, remove old beliefs, declare new beliefs, and set the foundation to take your life to the next level. It's all about preparing, about engaging, and harnessing. If you're around the Wichita, Kansas area on October 15th to the 16th, 2021, limited seating available, you can come to our first live event. You can go to nextlevelmethod.com slash core four. That's nextlevelmethod.com slash core four to get all the details and get your ticket to our first live event. There'll be other live events going out throughout the year. We've got in February, Phoenix, April, we're going to be in Dallas, June 24th of next year, Chicago, August 26th, Denver, Colorado, and a year from this October, Las Vegas, Nevada. So we've got a lot of exciting things coming up around Next Level Method, and I encourage you to go check it out. Again, nextlevelmethod.com slash core four, that's C-O-R-E, the number four, to learn more. All right, thanks for being a supporter of this show, and thanks for being a new supporter of Next Level Method. Now let's get on with this conversation with Deanne Turner, here on Dose of Leadership. Deanne Turner, nice to see you again. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be back with you again. Yeah, one of my favorite guests. I've always enjoyed having you talking to you, particularly about purpose and talent. And, and your experience at Chick Fil A has just been all the stories have been phenomenal. So we're excited to catch up with you with my friend Matt. Um, certainly, talking about talent and purpose is, is what we're excited about. Mm-hmm. So, how, how's it been? And we, last time I think we were on, we talked. It was probably eight months ago. I can't even remember nine months. It was in it was in the midst of COVID. So, how have things yeah. been going for you? Well, it's you know I had a pretty productive uh, COVID experience um, compared to a lot of situations. I released a new book in March, Crush Your Career, mm-hmm. uh, Ace the Interview, Land the Job, and Launch Your Future. So been working with the, um, I call it the other side of the coin for my audiences. You know, if Bet on Talent was to help leaders find and keep extraordinary talent, Crush Your Career is the other side of that that helps talent learn how to be extraordinary. Yeah, I think it kind of came from, I think I was reading somewhere that maybe the idea kind of the genesis of where your son was kind of always asking you for advice or people were asking you for career advice. Like, what do I do now? And, and boy, I get that a lot from my daughter. In fact, even last night I was, dri- <laughs> we were driving and I thought about you because my daughter was, she just graduated high school and she's like, man, I'm so nervous about the future. Right. She's, that's all she keeps telling me, which I think is good. I mean, yeah. I, I worry about the future. I worried about the, fu- I still worry about the future, even though I'm 53. So, <laughs> but I was telling her, you know, Hey, you know, follow your gut, do things, that nobody else wants to do, and then, and then people will find you. And so that was the advice I gave her last night. I don't know what you guys think about that. but, but I and, think that's pretty good advice. Yeah, mm-hmm. and pursuing her path. I said find something that you like to do because she's worried about – she sees her older sister 
mm-hmm. her oldest one, who's kind of in this rut. She's 23, almost no, 24, and she's like, ah, I just don't know what I want to do. You know, she's kind of in this lull point, right? And like not knowing where her passion is, wanting to do what her passion is, but she feels like she's stuck in the job. And I just like, mm-hmm. I don't see it that way. I'm like, just go, you know, go. What would you say to my oldest daughter who's in that rut? Well, I, first of all, that's very common. So um, to try not to be too uncomfortable about that that's the way you're feeling because a lot of people that age are feeling the same way. And sometimes, uh, and, and what I really talk about in Crush Your Career is sometimes you just have to get started. Yeah. And you're going to do some things that you're going to find out that's not what I want to do. But you, it's much better to be doing something to find that out than just kind of waiting and sitting back and saying, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do, so... I'm either going to do something totally unrelated and just, you know, kind of flounder around here, or I'm not going to do anything, which some of them are just paralyzed. I mean, I, I, and I don't mean this disrespectful, but, you know, living in mom and dad's basement and just a little paralyzed of, I, I don't know what I want to do so much. I'm just not really doing anything. And so just get started in something and um, pursue it. And when that door closes for you or that's, you realize that's not your passion, that's not what you want to do. Hopefully, you're going to have put some things in place that are going to lead you to the next step. And you know what? The next step might not be it either. Uh, it's very common to wander around your entire 20s, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to figure out what that is. Now, there'll be some people, I, I, you know, I have three sons. Um, two of them knew from a young age exactly what they wanted to do. Um, the middle one, he was like your daughter. He had a passion of something he wanted to do. And then as he got a little bit older, he realized that that, that passion um, was great for fun, but he couldn't make a living. Right. He couldn't mm-hmm. support a family at it. So he decided that the passion would become his part-time gig and that um, later, you know, it might be a second job or a second business opportunity, but that he had to find a different passion um, for his career. And he took some of those skills he had. Uh, he was in personal training. And he, one of the things he had to do in personal training was sell his services. Mm-hmm. And so now he's in a technology sales career. And a lot of those early skills came from selling his services of, of personal training. So what I keep it, um, advising that group is, hey, it's a time of experimentation. Get out there and try some things. See what you like and you don't like. And don't put the pressure on yourself. This has to be like mom right. and dad who found their career early. I know I know you, Rich, have been out. Um, I mean, you're a pilot. And I know that you probably uh, have decades of service of doing that. Of course, I spent 33 years at Chick-fil-A. But the world's changed since then. Yeah. And our kids are going to see it differently. Yeah, and I have to attempt. I have to. I'm glad you brought that up because mm-hmm. I have to remind. I mean, I knew from my early 20s that I wanted to be a pilot and I, I set things in motion to mm-hmm. do that. So you're absolutely right. And I have to be careful about like, well, look what I did. I had it all figured out. I need to be kind of empathetic to the fact that this experimentation path is not a sign of failure. That's what right. I tried to tell her. Like, you know, she's like, I, I think it's good. I love what you said, Deanne. And I think to, to add on to that, surrounding yourself by people who are doing what you're passionate about maybe. Mm-hmm. So if you're passionate about music or you're passionate, mm-hmm. go, go where that is and surround yourself by those people and get a job. That's involved in that somehow, right? Or, or get a job that, that gives you enough money to go fuel the passion. Right. right? right. And, and exactly. like your son did getting that skill, he's selling. It's augmenting his kind of weakness of mm-hmm. selling. And maybe he can apply that to his passion at some point in the future. Right. I mean, that's what I heard you say. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, for him, he's continued uh, fitness as a way of life for him. He sure. has a passion about that. He coaches people on mm. that. And uh, he's, he's living out both of those things now. And, um, again, it just I like that experimentation. I like, hey, I have the freedom right now to go and figure this out. And remember, I mean, we were figuring things out maybe when we were in our early 20s or late teens and going, I know what I want to do. They have so many more options. That's mm -hmm. part of the issue. In fact, my youngest was home last weekend, and he's a senior in college and or will be in the, the fall. And he was at the house, and he came through the door. He goes, I don't know what I want to do. And I panicked for a moment because he's really the one that was behind Crush Your Career. I mean, he helped me through the entire book because he's very directed and he's lived out all those principles in the book. And so I was in a panic for a moment and he said, no, I don't mean I don't know what I want to do. It's that I want to do so many things yeah. and I don't know how to choose from these things. Yeah, right. And I, like, I said, well, that's a great problem to have. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I kind of feel like that even now, even in my 50s. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like I'm running out of, well, I am running out of time. But I mean, I feel like there's so many things I want to experience, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I guess that's a good way to kind of approach life, right? That is a good problem to have. I think that's better than being paralyzed, right? <laughs> well, that sort of happened to me too, Richard. That's how I ended up in the second career. I did spend those 33 years at Chick-fil-A right. and had an opportunity three years ago uh, to take a volunteer early retirement option with about, uh, 50 or so of my peers, long-term Chick-fil-A staff members. And I was kind of, I was on the young end for that, but I'd always wanted to be a writer since I was eight years old. I'd already written It's My Pleasure. I had a contract to write two more books and I knew that I really couldn't fulfill my leadership position at Chick-fil-A and do what it takes to write, promote, speak, do all mm -hmm. the things that are included in being a writer. So I took that opportunity and launched my own business. And it's just been, um, it's been great to take all those things I learned and taught there into a new marketplace and have the opportunity to interact and engage with new clients and new people and um, the students that I'm working with with Crush Your Career, all of those things in, in a new life. And so I'm real, now that I, it, it was the scariest moment of my life yeah, to take everything you, I yeah. knew and and make that jump but now i'm a big encourager to others it's like our time is limited mm -hmm. and if there are things you want to do figure out how to go and do them yeah i was going to ask you kind of like that fear level that mindset that you were going through i mean a lot of times i find myself i coach a lot of people then i find myself having to i i struggle the things i coach other people to do right, right? exactly yeah so, <laughs> i gotta so I, I was wondering if that happened to you you know you spent all this time talking about culture and leadership and taking risks and doing all these things did, did you have to give yourself your own advice did you did you find yourself catching yourself having to give yourself your own advice? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was just, you know, I was in the most secure, comfortable. I mean, mm -hmm. for as much as anything in this life can be secure, it was a really secure, comfortable situation. And I was not in a situation I had to leave. I mean, I, I could have stayed in my current role. It, it was it was strictly voluntary. And that made it even harder because right. it was like, okay, I'm choosing um, to do this and to jump out and but you know, it's the funniest thing. Once I chose, it was it was a huge relief, and everything was fine. But it's the it's the decision part that leaves us with so much anxiety of taking that risk. But once we actually make the decision, that anxiety seems to dissipate immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's jumping off the cliff, right? I think that's the it's it's living on that knife edge of like, can I jump off the cliff? And having the faith, knowing that you have a parachute on your back, just not knowing yeah. when it's going to open, but knowing that it's going to open, right. And right. just being willing to bounce off the cliff <laughs> until <laughs> it opens, up right? a little bit until yeah. it does. 
yeah. exactly. Um, and, you know, I, I, again, I was just so incredibly blessed and fortunate <clears throat> from my situation at Chick-fil-A and having all of that experience and network and so forth that helped. Um, and it doesn't mean it's not hard. It's hard in a very different way. Owning your own business is, um, it's still one of the hardest things I've ever done. But, you know, the thrill has been all that I've learned. Mm -hmm. And um, that I had no choice to learn, whether it was technology, you know, you and I were talking about before we came on today of a, a, several technology problems <laughs> right. I had today. And, and, you know, used to, I just called IT at Chick-fil-A and somebody showed up in my office and they fixed it. <laughs> right, right. And uh, it doesn't work that way now. And it's the same way I've always, I mean, I've never loved numbers and math and that, that was never my side of things. And, you know, one of the first things I had to do was I got to do my own accounting. I've got to, you know, pay my own taxes and, and figure all that stuff out. And, and at the same time, while all of that, um, that learning actually energized me even more mm -hmm. and the thoughts that, you know, somebody um, very mid, really late career could, could make that shift and learn all those things and um, put it to work again, it's pretty exciting. And it's energizing, if you can't tell. I mean, it does. It, it really energizes me to learn those new things and just figure out what can I do. And it creates a lot of confidence uh, when you overcome some things you thought you could never do. I find on the entrepreneurial journey, and this is a question for both of you, Matt, and I mean, Matt's certainly been an entrepreneur for a long time, and, and you're certainly in that space now, Deanne. But I find myself sometimes when I don't know what to do next and it's not fear that paralyzes me. Like I'm not afraid of taking another leap. It's something I just don't know what to do next. I don't, I, does that ever happen to you guys? Yes. Every day, <laughs> every day for me anyway, but the, uh, you know, it's always about, uh, you know, the little steps, the baby steps, right. For me, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, okay, you know, kind of holding the, and I was actually at a, a church retreat here over the weekend and, uh, they ask us what our gifts were, what our gifts and talents were, right? And, or, you know, what others would appreciate us about too. And I said, you know, I'm extremely resilient and I can hold a vision for a long period of time without necessarily knowing how I'm going to get there. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you're in that space of creativity, that space of entrepreneurship, or just a space of, you could say creativity, whether you're an artist or whatever that is, you got to have that vision, right? For the long haul or what you want out of kind of the outcome. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about that. It's got having that outcome mindset of saying, well, this is, this is what I want. Now, I don't know exactly how I'm going to get here, but maybe here's two or three. Here's, here's somebody I can call. I did that this morning. I was like, I know I need to go this direction on a project. I'm just going to make a phone call, right, just, yeah. to, just to do that. What's your experience, Deanne? Yeah, I agree with you, and that's a, really what I was going to say. And this goes back to even that younger generation when I don't know what to do next. Just do the next thing. I right. mean, you know, don't get 10 steps out there. It's, okay, what's the next, right. like you said, little step that I need to make? And eventually you take all those little steps and you'll end up where you're supposed to be. And when I'm overwhelmed, which again, it happens a lot of being a business owner, um, it's like, okay, what's the next thing I need to do? And then we'll go from there. And I try to compartmentalize it and put everything else at bay until I do the next thing. Yeah. And I, I, I've certainly, what you guys talked about, getting in that mindset of just taking the next step, not not knowing how I'm going to, I am, here's my vision. I love what you said. Like, I know this is where I want to go. I don't know. The chasm seems great, but I'm just going to take one step to see if I can get closer to it. Right. And eventually you just keep doing that over and over again. And eventually right. you get a breakthrough is what I heard you say, Deanne. Right. And yeah, eventually. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, there's another thing I just thought about, and this is for you too, Matt, but I'm, I got a client right now and they're struggling from the talent side of it's a, 
high turnover rate, and it's in the it's in an industry that is known for high high right. turnover. It's it's the liquor industry, right? The liquor store industry, and there's this mindset of like these the people that they hire that they're never going to be long term employees, and it bothers me that they kind of look at it that, that way. way. Like they just kind of accepted the status quo that, well, I'm only, this is the talent pool that I can pull from and they're never going to be the type of employees that I want. And I'm trying to break them of that mindset. Does that make sense? Like it's in an industry where you wouldn't think that it's an entry level position, the people you're hiring aren't going to be in their mind, A and B performers. And I'm like, why aren't you finding that A and B performer? Why aren't you creating a culture that in town people are going to know that this is the place to work, right? Does that make exactly. sense? Yeah, well, I mean, I spent years with an organization um, that their franchisees did this amazingly well. You think about the fast food industry. Exactly. Those right. franchisees. Huge turnover. Sm- yeah, um, I think the industry is around 300 and something percent. Mm-hmm. So your whole staff's turning over at least three times a year if that's the case. But uh, Chick-fil-A franchisees, what I learned from them and what, I saw them do so differently was that they knew that 95% of their employees were just passing through on their way to something else. You know, there'd be a few that want to make a career, have dreams of being a franchisee themselves, want to be in management or leadership within a restaurant, but most of them are on their way to somewhere else. So a lot of them, what I heard them tell me was they decided to be that person's best first employer or somebody's best interim employer. And so they invested in those people. They, they selected the best talent they could find. They invested heavily in them. They knew they were going to go on to do other things. um, But because they invested heavily, they had great talent while they were there. And because those people had great experiences, they're telling everybody else. So when they did leave and they did experience that turnover, a higher level of talent was coming in to replace them because they knew what opportunities would be there for as long as they stayed there. Yeah, that's how I, well, that just validates how I see it. And I'm glad that you said that because that's what I'm trying to get across to them is like, hey, don't look at this high turnover. Your goal isn't to keep this, just know that they're not going to be there forever. But while you have them, pour your life into them and that's going to reap its benefits. That's, that's the longer game. And to your point, the word's going to get around, you're going to get a higher degree of talent coming in. You can be more selective. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good coaching. (laughs) Well, well, and and when you say coaching, I mean, that's exactly what, you know, college teams do, right? I mean, they have to, they're, they're constantly churning. It's not like an NBA or I mean, they're constantly churning through uh, people and they know that they're going somewhere else, right? You can only be there for four years. So, um, oh, well, in these days with the uh, portal situation and able to transfer so easily, yeah, you know, it's it's even harder because they're not necessarily staying for four years, right? And you may not, if you don't pour into them, you are going to lose them. And I think that's what we can learn from uh, that situation is if you're, you know, you're bringing in talent and and this is what we know about millennials and the Gen Z generation. Mm-hmm. There's three things they want. They want a remarkable culture. They want to be in an organization that has a purpose and a mission and core values and knows where it's going. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. So they want the business they're part of to have an impact. And then lastly, they want opportunities for learning and development. And if a business is not doing those three things, they're really going to struggle Mm -hmm. to find and keep great talent. I agree. I love them. The second piece of advice you gave there, like I always thought that was the secret sauce to, to organizations that were struggling trying to get their culture at least kickstarted in the right direction. And I was like, just find something 
that, and this was in the hotel industry when I worked, you know, 20 years ago. And then we're starting with the same thing. We had uh, a low entry paid position mm-hmm. was a critical position of a property manager. And we were just going through them like crazy. And they're like, I, and he's like, I can't pay them anymore. And I'm like, and I gave the example of the Marine Corps. It's like, look, I didn't join the Marine Corps. And people didn't join, don't join the Marine Corps to become rich. Right. <laughs> it's not a, a, a it's high not that gig. It's not that gig. Right. But people flock to it for a reason. And it's because they're hungry hmm. to wrap their arms around something that they feel like they're, they're, they're part of something bigger than themselves. That is the key reason why people join something like the Marine Corps. And the Marine Corps is, is very good from a marketing aspect of, of getting you to feel that way. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Of, of putting your arm around you, whether you're a wrench turner or a guy that's kicking down doors, you know, mm-hmm. getting the bad guys. Either way, you're in this lineage of like, hey, look, see. And so even though you're a grease monkey mm-hmm. turning wrenches in the in the motor pool, you're part of that lineage of all those great heroes that came before you. You're standing on their shoulders, and they make you feel a part of that. And so I think that's why they're so successful at what they do. Hmm. Yeah, culture, culture, excuse me, culture, right? Yeah. And just, and that bigger vision. What do you think about that, Deanne? Yeah, I I think so. You know, I think about um, what you made me think of was NASA. Yeah. And uh, people love to be part of this big mission, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I talk about a lot about having a challenging mission and what that means to people that they can rally around it. And one of the stories I like to tell goes back to when Kennedy said in 1961 that, you know, that the U.S. should send a man to the moon and return him safely to Earth by the end of the decade. And he really set the mission right there for NASA in the U.S. And it took eight more years for that to happen. didn't happen until July 69 when Armstrong stepped on the moon. Um, but what, took, what it took to get there, there were 21 manned and unmanned missions. Uh, three astronauts uh, lost their lives early on mm-hmm. um, to make all that happen. And and Armstrong said in an interview, I won't quote, I won't get it exactly right, but it was something like this. He said, you know, for everyone who turned a wrench or, um, you know, had any part whatsoever in this entire project, um, they were convinced on that day when they launched Apollo 11, they knew they were going to step on the moon, that they didn't want it to go wrong and be their fault. They knew they were a part of this. I mean, they, and he said there were hundreds of thousands of people involved over that decade. Sure. And he said nobody wanted to be their fault that it failed. And um, I can't imagine, you know, when Armstrong, um, you know, they had 30 seconds of fuel left. I don't know if people realize this when they were about to land on the moon. And, of course, he said, Houston, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't imagine being in Houston at that time in that control room. And it must have erupted. You know, we've seen the movies of it, but to have actually been there and been a part of something. And, you know, we can't, all of our businesses can't create going to the moon as the mission. I guess Richard Branson can, but um, (laughs) they can't can't create that, you know, obviously. But you can can find things that motivate people. I I was speaking uh, this week at um, Beck's Hybrid, and they are a seed company based out of Indiana. And you know, their whole purpose, their purpose is make farmers successful. Now, that sounds simple, like, okay, you want to make farmers successful. And, but when you stop and think about it, it's the livelihood of Americans come out of this company because they're selling to American farmers and they're selling these seeds. And, 
and how important that is that these farmers are able to get their seeds at a price that keeps their farm running, that they survive, that they're able um, to provide the food that we need as Americans. So, you know, you can you can have a simple mission, but if you really explain it to people, I mean, you know, I'm not just helping a farmer be successful. I'm helping America eat when I work mm-hmm. for a company like that. And that's mm-hmm. important. Yeah, I think it's great that they do that. I think, and every business can do that, right? And, and so right. you speaking of NASA that reminded me, I had I talked to Gene Kranz years ago early on and I mm-hmm. launched Dose of Leadership. And we were talking, he, he told a story about there was a, um, and I think it's kind of a well-known story, but there was a, a custodian there that worked there at NASA in the control room. And they had always asked him, you know, what do you do here? And he goes, I'm helping him. I'm helping man get to the moon. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and he was, the, that, so you talk about a, people that are invested in the culture. If you got the custodian saying, I do this to help get man to the moon, mm-hmm. you know, I want this control room to be spotless. I want, I don't want people distracted with trash and everything mm-hmm. else. So you know you exactly. got something going on if you got your custodian saying that. That's that's pretty awesome. That is. And so that's kind of on the corporate level then. Uh, and I know, Deanne, you talk a lot about purpose, individual purpose, though, too. And so I guess what's your thoughts around that? And I know, you know, when I talk to people, I think that's one of the number one things that people struggle with. Um, and especially I think it became in more focus post uh, during COVID and post-COVID. It's I think people want to be more purposeful, right? They want to have a life that matters and a life that does serve something bigger and greater than themselves. And so kind of as you're working with people, um, you know, how do you help them understand maybe how to tap into their purpose or even how to identify what their purpose is? Sure. Well, first of all, sometimes I think, you know, um, purpose is we live into it and discover it. And that was certainly my experience. Uh, when I started out in life, I really thought I was going into some kind of full-time ministry using my journalism abilities. Mm. And um, in fact, I won't go through the whole long story of it. Um, Richard and I probably discussed it on a prior conversation about how I got to Chick-fil-A. But I was supposed to be applying for a position in advertising and had gone through a very long interview process. And I got to the end of that interview process and uh, I ended up going to human resources. And that was supposed to be, in my mind, a short-term gig. I was going to go back to what I thought I was made to do, right. um, which was using my journalism skills. That's how I got into advertising. And about two years into what I was doing, I was actually a little frustrated with myself. And I started questioning, you know, had I abandoned my own calling of what I thought I was going to be doing? And then I realized that my calling was to help other people find their calling. Mm-hmm. And it still is. I changed jobs, but that's still Deanne Turner's calling. It's still what I'm doing today um, through the work that I've done since writing Crush Your Career and working primarily with students and young career people. And um, But I have some steps that I talk mm-hmm. to people about. It's like, how do you discover what you're calling, what your purpose is? And one of the first things I said, what gets you up in the morning? You know, what is it that just stirs your soul so much that you can't wait to get out of bed and go do it? Um, that probably has something to do with your calling. I, I ask them to ask, what do you do um, that others say you do best? You know, sometimes we don't see the things we mm-hmm. do best. It's like, that, it's like that VP at Chick-fil-A that said, you want a job in human resources? I certainly didn't see that in myself. And then I went on to make a 30-year career off it. Mm-hmm. Um, so look around to the people, the trusted mentors and, and friends and others that know you well and ask them, what do I do better than most people? The other thing is what is just what you told your daughter, Richard. What problem is out there in the world that needs to be solved that you can solve? Mm-hmm. Um, it can be little, it can be big, whatever it is. But it's like there's something out there that that the world needs your attention to. What is it? 
And then me being a person of faith, my last question about purpose is, um, this is the way I ask it of myself, and somebody else with a different orientation might, might say it a little differently, but for me, it's when do I feel God's pleasure? You know, mm. when am I doing the thing that I was created to do? And um, those are some, some self-exploration. And, and, you know, it took me years to figure that out. And I was a fairly self-directed person. I, I, I was more of those, one of those type A, hey, I know what I want to do people. Mm -hmm. So if it took me that long, for people who might be a little more questioning, it might take them a little longer, but recognize that that's something that you live into. But once you discover it, and just like the situation I was in, it was like once I discovered it, in fact, that's, that's the reason I, I ended up leaving Chick-fil-A in the end is I, I'd spent 30 years in talent, and then they asked me to go and launch our sustainability function. And it was a great learning experience. Um, I had a new team who didn't choose me and I didn't choose them versus in talent. I had selected everybody that worked for me and they had selected to work for me. So from a leadership standpoint, all of these things were really great. But when I had the, op and I was all in till I had another opportunity. And suddenly I was sitting there and I was in a meeting that I was actually leading, and we were talking about plastic straws and mixed-use packaging. Now, in the world of sustainability, those are huge issues, mm -hmm. very, right. very important. But for me, at that very moment, it just hit me. It's like, this is not when I feel God's pleasure. This is not what I was created to do. I was created to help people find their calling. I was created to help organizations grow a remarkable culture and select and uh, retain uh, extraordinary talent. That's what I was made to do, and I just had to get back to it. And, uh, you know, once I did, that angst I had felt went away, and the peace um, that really comes with knowing you're doing what you're supposed to be doing returned. Mm -hmm. and, and something I think that you just said, and Richard just talked about, even with the janitor, is, I, you know, I think with that sense of purpose or with purpose comes that service to others, yeah, right? That inner calling sure. is really service to others. Even the janitor saying the reason he was cleaning things was because it was for the bigger mission, yeah. but it was really acts of service to others that were helping fulfill that bigger mission. So I think, I mean, I think that's maybe what, uh, maybe the disconnect uh, that people feel inside from uh, what they're doing to uh, what they think their purpose is. Cause I've also found that I can live, you know, I can live my purpose without necessarily having to change jobs. It's kind of like you did. It's changed perspective, right? You didn't, mm -hmm. you didn't, you were in HR, you know, you were questioning it for two years. You didn't change your job. You changed the way you saw your job. Yeah. You, you changed what, what that meant to you. I think in that moment, is that what I heard you say? Yeah, I think that was um, a moment of discovery where, uh, I, yeah, I didn't just go, Hey, I need to, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I got to get back to that. But just really the self-reflection of, wait a minute, maybe my calling wasn't what I thought it was. Right. Yeah. And, and really it was about using it. Ultimately today it's about using those journalism skills, but that's not the end. The end is using those skills to help other people, people. find their calling. Right. You know, what I, I'm thinking about this and hearing what, what both of you were saying to me, like the, um, what's helped me. And I certainly want the advice I've even given my daughters is like if I st it's the mindset shift, the changing. Instead of trying to find this career path that's going to set me and, mm -hmm. and give me everything that I want, whatever that is, when I started looking at things, how can I add value to this transaction? Like everything. Like it, when you're just constantly asking yourself, how can I add value mm -hmm. to this conversation, to this position I'm in right now? Mm -hmm. That leads to the mindset of like doing the things that nobody else wants to do, right? And yes. people will – and then – and I think 
telling people that this process really never stops. Right. It, you never plant a flag and say, I've arrived. Right? <laughs> I think yeah. you're constantly reevaluating, right. reassessing, constantly asking those questions. But I think if you start with that, asking like, how, what, how do I add value to this? Mm. Or how, how do I, and then it becomes a, a servant type leadership or a selfless type mindset. You know, mm. I'm going to, I'm going to add value here. And then things start to open up, or at least, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's when the opportunities in the door start to present themselves, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a great way to look at how, how do I add value, um, because everybody does. And if you have roles in your organization that aren't adding value, then you need not to have those roles. Mm-hmm. But if you have a role in an organization, your purpose there is certainly to add value to the organization. And um, regardless of what the role is, um, you know, uh, it, it adds value to the ultimate goal of what the organization wants to achieve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, what, getting feedback, one part of the, your latest book, and there was a great a part in the book where you're talking about how to receive um, negative feedback. And, and I think it's somewhere around the way it's, it's like that negative feedback is going to fall in the range of between being so vague that you have to read between the lines and so harsh that you have to survive the shock. I thought that was a, a great part, part of the book. And it's so true, right? It's like, and you talk about at length about how difficult it is. I think back to those times where I'm getting feedback and I'm like, well, what in the heck is this? Right. <laughs> what, are they, what are they criticizing me about? And sometimes yeah. you got to go away. But you, you had some great advice there in your book. So talk a little bit about that, about that quote sure. there. Sure. Well, that line is one of my favorites in the book because I experienced both of them during the course of my career, you know. And uh, so what do you do in that situation? And by the way, you know, I can look back on a lot of things and I have a much better perspective than when I was in the middle of it. Um, but when I look back and I think about, okay, what do I do with this feedback? And I talk about this um, in Crush Your Career, uh, very detailed. And the first thing that I really encourage people to do is when you recognize you're getting some negative feedback, Um, take a deep breath, relax, and listen. Because often what happens is this defense mechanism Mm -hmm. physically takes place inside of us. We tighten up and we can't hear the important information that we're being given. Because this is a gift. It won't feel like it at the moment. And it may not even be completely truthful. But there's something in that feedback that you need to hear and you're going to miss it if you stop breathing and you tighten up and you become defensive. So the first thing is it's really important that you listen for understanding. So during that conversation, if something, all you want to do is ask clarifying questions. You want to try not to respond at the moment. So you might say, thank you for that. Um, Can can you give me an example of when you've seen that so I can see that a little better? That's a great way to ask that question. And, and, you know, you might get an example and go, wow, I I didn't see it that way. It's going to start, it might start clicking for you. But the most important thing is take notes and listen and keep breathing. Because when you breathe, that allows your brain to actually function in that situation. If you stop breathing and people actually hold their breath in situations like that, then your brain stops working and you don't get what you need. Well, um, at the end of the conversation, I think it's best not to respond right then, except to say, thank you very much for this feedback. And to say, I'd really like to take this and think about it a little and come back with a plan about how I want to respond to it. 
most leaders are going to think that's a great end to the conversation. Mm -hmm. They're going to be very thankful for that. Um, and then go away. And the first thing to do is to sit with it, you know, 24, 48 hours yourself. And just really think about it. Think about what you heard. Um, just let it rest for a moment. And then after that, you need to find a trusted advisor, a real truth teller in your life. That can be a spouse, a parent, a best friend, a mentor, a coach, whoever that person is, and share your feedback and say, now, I really need to hear from you. What do you see and what do you not see? Um, and that helps get validation one way or the other. And again, you're, you're actually looking for validation for the feedback. You might get validation that that's not you at all, but it's important that if it is you, that you get that validation because that's going to inform your plan for improvement. So once you get that feedback, then you can sit down and you can write out some goals. And you don't need 20, you know, two or three goals mm -hmm. based on the feedback. This is what I want to do. And so then it's time to go back um, to, it's likely a boss or supervisor that's giving you that feedback and say, I'd love to set up another meeting and let's review my response to your feedback. And then again, start that meeting by saying, thank you so much for this feedback. I've given a lot of thought and I've put these goals together and I'd like for us to agree on them. And so you talk about what you're going to do to improve the situation, and then you want to set a time to follow up because you want to make sure you're getting that feedback at the right interval um, to be sure you're on the track that that person expects you. Um, if you find um, that you don't have, you have feedback that you just couldn't get validated, like this isn't, this isn't true at all, I think it's fine to go back to that conversation and say, I'm having a hard time seeing this, but you're seeing this, and I'm willing um, to take the feedback and see if we can find the way forward to make some improvement here. And I hope you'll help me. Mm. Um, that just sets you up for great success. Mm -hmm. That takes, um, because if you, it, it, first of all, nobody likes to give negative feedback. So you've let somebody off the hook by taking ownership of it. Um, you've let somebody who, that's the, you know, the worst day is when you have to give somebody negative feedback. Nobody like, most people don't like to do it unless they're narcissists. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, they don't, they, um, so you've let them off the hook a little bit and they're seeing your maturity. I mean, I'm talking right. to a lot of young people. They're seeing your maturity of handling it. They know you can grow. They know you're teachable, mm -hmm. you're coachable. Nobody's perfect. You're not expected to be perfect. So if you can give that kind of response, you're going to, you're going to soar in your career. Mm -hmm. Or as I say, you're going to crush it. Yeah, right? I agree. That's just excellent advice. I mean, I think about those times where I've received negative feedback or I've had to give negative feedback. And you're right. And I've early on, you know, finding myself, and this was in the Marine Corps, learning how to fly planes, you know, and got nipped in the bud early. The guy telling me, quit making excuses. Just listen to what I'm having you to say, right? right. <laughs> just like, but you, you just, that default state of you, you want to kind of defense or justify yeah. what you, well, what I really was trying to do was like, just stop. Just, right. he basically said, just shut up and let me tell you what I mean. <laughs> trying to learn how to fly a plane here. <laughs> quit, quit making excuses. Well, and I think this is just great life advice in general, just mm -hmm. blanket, broad brush. If you do that with any relationship, oh, you've man. just up the value of, you know, your value and your contribution to the relationship. Cause literally I'm thinking as you were talking about relaxing and taking a deep breath. So I was getting some feedback from my wife this morning and it wasn't exactly what I wanted to hear, but it was very <laughs> constructive and it was for my better good. I knew that she, I knew that she was, her heart was in the good space and she was ultimately giving me feedback that, you know, I need to focus a little bit more on my health. And sure enough, I did exactly what you were saying. And, and it, and I, I just relaxed, you know, where normally maybe I would have gotten more defensive or started to tense. I just relaxed. And I thought, you know what, 
I just need to hear this right now. So just hear it. Don't, I didn't defend. I just heard it and, and I thanked her for her feedback and then we'll visit about it later today or tomorrow. So, but that's, that's, um, more kind of that outcome, I guess, driven mindset or just being open to, Hey, it's okay to get feedback. Well, yeah. It's okay to, how am I going to grow if I don't have people that are honest exactly. with me in my life? Yeah. Right. I was thinking about that, you know, kind of what we talked about with David Emerald and yeah. you and I had yeah, conversations yeah. about, if, you know, nobody can, no matter what's happening or what's coming your way, you still have the ultimate power to choose how to respond to this situation right. and, and sitting in and relaxing and taking that breath and just listening to what they say, because the, the unfortunate, this is a powerful truth that people can grasp, grasp this. And the, what I got in what you're saying is that perception is reality. So it doesn't mm-hmm. even, sometimes it really doesn't really matter, matter. what right. the truth or the facts are. <laughs> right. If you perceive me as a thief, I'm a thief. And, right. and we have, if we're going to be working together, we have to resolve mm-hmm. that. And so you need to be conscious of like, why do they perceive me as a thief? You know, you need to at least be put, introspective, be right? introspective and right. at least put yourself in the other person's shoes. Like, why do they see me as a thief or whatever right. it is? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Great advice. Yeah, I, I think another great question sometimes, too, is when you're evaluating is, what is it like to be on the other side of right. me? Right, yeah. You know, and just stop and ask that question as part of that feedback process, too. And, you know, if you if you go into it a little bit more open-minded and you relax a little bit and just listen, you'll learn some things that will help you grow. And the long game is you're just going to be much more effective. Right. Yeah, and, and, and you will stand. If you want to get – noticed and crush your career or get, mm-hmm. get advanced if you're young if you come that's that's a that sets you apart because most right. people do not live their life that way <laughs> that way they don't respond that way right right yeah that's yeah. good stuff well, so 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 thank you so much for putting that out there and just allowing people to have access to that information because yeah i agree that's your career your personal life your friends you know everything you just apply that same technique or that same thought process to any relationship and your life's going to improve. And, and in service, you're actually improving the lives of the people to your point with your supervisor, you're improving the life of the person that you're getting the feedback from because they're feeling anxious too, right? The the person giving negative feedback isn't going, yay, I get to give negative feedback today. There's anxious. So you're, you're, you're basically allowing others to rise up or, or others to kind of uh, step into more, um, harmony or mm-hmm. more connectivity to you as well. So I think that you're, you're raising everything up, I guess. Well, it, in that, in it's that. that selfless mindset. It's, right. it's the adding value we talked about. And it ties into even what you talk, I love what you say about, about the ego side of us, right? Where, you know, it's make others, not yourself, the heroes of your story, right? As you talk about in your book, I love that, right? It's, it's not about you. It's about them. And if you, that's kind of feeding that mindset, I think. So tell me a little bit about that. I mean, kind of managing your ego, making others, heroes in their story, not, not yours. Yeah, I think that's just, you know, really the servant leadership mindset. And that's what the number one job of leaders is to serve others. So if you want to be a leader, that's just something you have to come mm-hmm. to understand. You know, I, th- um, I, I love that you're a pilot, Richard, and I was on a flight yesterday and I'm, um, I won't tell you what airline, but uh, <laughs> I was on a flight and it was actually a really good thing. It's the second time I've seen a pilot do this. Um, the first time I, I was on the jetway and I saw him carrying wheelchairs down to the plane. They had so many wheelchairs. And, of course, I know he's trying to make a deadline. But he, yesterday uh, I was sitting in the front of the plane and the uh, pilot came out of the cockpit about 15 minutes before departure. And he asked the flight attendant. And it wasn't like he was telling her to do it. He was just asking. He said, am I reading that right? He was looking at some screen. He goes, they're having trouble with wheelchairs up top. 
And she said, yeah, that's what that means. And he left the plane and he went up and he helped get wheelchairs onto the plane. Wow. And, you know, here he is the captain, but right. he knows his role is to serve for everybody to be um, successful. And I've, like I said, I've seen this happen twice. It happened to be the same airline. I've seen him do it twice. And I don't know if that's in a training manual somewhere. You, you get out of the cockpit and go help. But it didn't feel like that. It felt like the most genuine, caring, I need to go help kind of mm -hmm. attitude. Yeah, well, that that's encouraging because, I mean, I've been in – we could have a whole episode about this, but I've been in argu <laughs> arguments with my fellow pilots. There's a there's a huge cadre out there. Um, they're so hell bent against. They feel jaded against the company, and, and they typically are people that have been in the industry. They haven't done anything else, right? right. They've yeah. been in. The, they haven't like where I got furloughed and I worked in the real world, <laughs> right, and do things. And I've been in arguments with people and tell them, I said, you know, you don't realize how much impact you have over the brand. And it's right. like, well, the company would do this. And until then, it's just, all my job is just to fly the plane. I'm like, no, you're the captain. I mean, right. I've got an argument in the cockpit with <laughs> captains on the ground saying, right. captain, yeah. you need to do something. He's like, no, it's like, I'm retiring in 30 days. It's not my job. And I'm like, yeah. damn. And I just shook my head. And I just, it's just, I, that drives me crazy. You know. Well, Richard, you bring up a good point of culture. And I, know that, I know that shifting off of servant leadership a little bit but that we were talking about, but um, the connection between culture and brand. Yes. And mm -hmm. you cannot build a strong brand unless you have a strong culture. Absolutely and those two right. go hand in hand because the biggest representation of your brand is your talent. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so um, if the culture's not strong, if they're jaded by the organization or you know they're not being treated right, then they're not going to treat your customer right or your guest, or your passenger, or whatever it is. And, and uh, so I think that's really, really important that we recognize that. And, um, you know, here's another thing about the connection to culture and brand and servant leadership. If the top people in the organization aren't demonstrating it, then other people in the organization aren't going to right. demonstrate it. One of the things I loved is when I would travel on leadership teams with Dan Cathy, uh, who's now CEO of Chick-fil-A, and we would arrive at a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And you know the first thing Dan did what? before he even walked in the building? If there was trash in the parking lot, he picked it up. Mm -hmm. He didn't go inside and tell somebody else to go pick it up. He picked up the trash and he threw it away. He never said a word about it. The next thing he'd do is go in the restroom and wash his hands. Why? Because you want everybody to wash their hands uh, before they go to work, right? So mm -hmm. if the boss does it, and by the way, the next thing he did was go introduce himself to everybody who was... Uh, cooking the sandwiches and serving the guests because they're the person closest to the customer. So when you see that kind of servant leadership demonstrated, then people tend to follow what the leader does. And if the leader has a private elevator to the 52nd floor and uh, doesn't engage yeah, right. with people and, you know, he has that kind of behavior, he or she has that kind of behavior, then that's how other leaders in the organization are going to act. And it's going to trickle down all the way to the people who are serving the customer. And that's bad. Absolutely. Well, but and even, and even to piggyback off of that, when you don't see that in the senior leadership, it's kind of like the same example, like getting arguments with the pilots. They're like, well, I'm not seeing this from this, so I'm not going to do that. I'm like, look, you, look, that passenger that's getting on that plane doesn't care or doesn't even know how dysfunctional or how great the CEO is. Right. All he sees is you, you. and this right. crew. And so if you don't think you don't have an impact on the brand, you're kidding yourself. And mm -hmm. just because the senior leader is dysfunctional doesn't assuage you from your responsibility of, of at least, you know, taking mm -hmm. care of the customer. Right. That's always been my argument. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> Are you getting, me, getting all riled up over here? <laughs> well, I love your stuff. 
Deanna, and I always love talking with you. I mean, is there anything that we haven't talked about? And this is for both you, Matt, and, and anything that we want to touch upon as we kind of wrap up here in the last last few minutes. Did we talk about well, everything we wanted to talk about? Well, one thing I want to do is I want to encourage, and I know you have a, a variety of people that listen to your podcast, and you have leaders. I want to encourage the leaders listening that there are people out there trying to find their way. They need mentors and champions, and um, and then those who are in that age group that might happen to be listening to this podcast. You know, the the tension you described of your daughter, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, just do the next thing, take the next step, um, have a little faith. Um, it's, it's going to work out. That doesn't mean it won't be hard. It'll be hard. Everything worthwhile in life is yeah. usually hard. Yes. Not many things come easy. But I just want to be the voice of encouragement to hang in there. I see so many great things happening. And even though that, um, you know, I, 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 these are turbulent times and people my age are worrying about their children and uh, potentially their grandchildren. And what's it going to be like for them? Well, we were born for an age. Mm-hmm. We were prepared for what we needed to do for a certain age. And guess what? They're born for their age too, and they'll be they'll be equipped and capable to navigate that. And we just need to have the confidence in them and encourage them. They'll be able to do it. Awesome, I great, love that. Great, great stuff. Great way to end it. Yes, Deanne, thanks for coming on the show. How can people reach out to you, learn more about all of your books and everything that you're doing? Sure, lots of ways. Okay, first of all, my website is deanneturner.com. D e e a n n turner.com. And you can find a lot of things there, including uh, the, all the episodes of my own Crush Your Career podcast. Uh, my books are on that website. You can also find them at places you typically find books. Uh, Crush Your Career is the latest one. Ace the interview, land the job, and launch your future. Bet on talent, how to create a remarkable culture that wins the hearts of customers. And then please connect with me on social media, LinkedIn, Deanne Turner, Instagram, at Deanne Turner, Facebook, Deanne Turner, author, and Twitter, at Deanne Turner. Wow, it sounds like you've great. done that before. Yeah, that's all. You were, prepared, you were prepared for that one. That was a great, great. We'll have links to all that on our show notes. Yeah. Deanne, thank you so much for coming on the show. Stick on the line. We'll talk a little bit more after, but thanks for coming on. Yes. Great. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse. Tell your kids. Tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to dosaleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we work together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.